episode 261 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review round two of the 2023 NRL season. We discuss the NRL multicultural round and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 261 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are two rounds into the NRL season, and we are at multicultural round. How are you going? Dr. T, I'm excited about multicultural round, but I've already jumped off the West Tigers bus for 2023. We cannot we cannot win a game this year after the dreadful performance at Leichhardt. You know, let's get rid of Tim Sheens. Let's get rid of Benji. Let's get rid of Robbie. Let's get rid of the entire team. I just I just want a fresh new team. But yeah, but look, uh, maybe I might start following the Dolphins. I don't know. But look, Doctor T, I'm I'm doing great, and um, what a great start to the season I've got to say. Yes, there's been it's been disappointing for my club, but I think uh, overall the standard of the NRL has been amazing. Yeah, I mean, look, I look, join the club. I'm disappointed in my team as well. <laughs> We're zero and two as well. Uh, you know, eels and tigers. When uh, you know, you know, the league is doing well when eels and tigers are at the bottom of the table. No, I'm. This is uh, this is a disaster for us both. But look, I'm I'm confident we can turn it around, Tish. I'm more confident than you are. I think in the tigers. I think they can turn it around. They just gotta they just gotta work on a few things. Um, you know, discipline being one thing, good decision-making being another thing, they, but they do seem to be a bit of a shambles at the moment. But, look, that's kind of reflective in, in, in the NRL in general at the moment is a bit of a shambles. And we're going to talk about later, you know, multicultural round um, has been, you know, tarred a little bit by, uh, by some of the, the off-field kind of things that are happening. Uh, not in play in the players' point of view, though. In uh, the administration's point of view, there's a things, few things going on. We'll talk about that later. But look, without any further ado, let's get stuck into the round two review, and then we'll get on with uh, with the rest of our discussion of uh, a few things that have come out of round two in particular. So here we go. Tackle number one, round two review. All right, so round two started with the Penrith Panthers bouncing back from their first uh, week defeat uh, and bouncing back with a 16-10 win against the Rabbitohs, a hard-fought win in front of 16,000 people there or so, 17,000 almost, at Bluebet Stadium. Um, that was followed up on Friday by uh, the Sharks defeating the Eels 30-26 to at Combank Stadium in front of a, a, a healthy 16,000 or so fans there. The Broncos followed that up on the main Friday night game, uh, 28-16 against their little brothers, the Cowboys, in front of 43,000 at Suncorp Stadium. Massive crowd there, great atmosphere as well. 
the Roosters on Saturday, uh, 20 to 12 against the Warriors in front of 16,000 at Allianz Stadium. The Dolphins, 20 to 14 in front of, uh, well, against the Raiders in front of about 10,000 or so at KO Stadium. That's their newly named Morton Bay Stadium. Uh, the Bulldogs, 26 to 12 against the Melbourne Storm on a Saturday evening at Amy Park in Melbourne in front of 17,000. We're going to talk about that miracle, uh, you know, a little bit later. And the Knights, 14-12 against the Tigers in front of the traditional Leichhardt Oval fan base of 13,000 or so brave souls that went out there on Sunday at 4 p.m. And then the final game on Sunday was uh, the Dragons flogging the Titans 32-18 at Netstrata Jubilee Stadium in front of uh, a little less than 8,000 or so. And obviously Manly had the bye. And look, uh, you know, highlights for me, I think, uh, as you said earlier, Tish, there's been a lot of really high-quality games. Uh, you know, Panthers, Rabbitohs, Eels, Sharks, these are teams that are going to be up there, I think, at the end of the season. Um, both of those games were quite close. From an Eels perspective, and I, I feel like I have to always give a an Eels commentary <laughs> every week, uh, I was extremely disappointed that we didn't uh, put them to the sword because I think we had them on the ropes and uh, uh, we, had, had a, we squandered quite a few chances and I think... Um, they will look uh, on that back on that game with a bit of regret, I think. Um, you know, some of the key players went missing when it counted. That's obviously a big talking point amongst Eels fans uh, after that game. Uh, we're zero and two this year, and uh, that's not where we wanted to be. And we've got some very tough games coming up as well. Um, you know, in the next three rounds, so that's that's a bit of a disaster for us. But look, Broncos Cowboys, forty three thousand, uh, nothing to be sneezed at. The traditional Friday night game for the Broncos, and uh, they did very very well. But also the Dolphins, uh, two two wins, two games, uh, brilliant performance against the Raiders. Again, another tight game, but when it mattered, uh, the Dolphins uh, did the job and. Look, for me, the miracle of the round, the miracle turnaround after what we saw in round one, the pathetic performance of the Bulldogs against the Manly Warringah Seagulls to come out and flog the Melbourne Storm 26 to 12. I think at one point they were 16 nil or something ahead. Yeah. yeah. was just unbelievable, I think. Uh, you know, and, and, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that later because I think uh, – I wonder if the Cameron Seraldo putting his players on notice in round one made the difference. So mm. I'll, I'll use that as a segue to your point of view. What do you think about that game? And then you can talk about any of the other games that caught your eye on the weekend. Well, it looks like tough love works in Belmore, right? Uh, because, yeah, uh, as you said, he put them on notice and they come out and uh, they put on a score uh, against the Melbourne. Melbourne can like sort of scoring two late uh, penalty, well, sort of they're scoring at the end there, a couple of tries uh, to make the score flattering, <laughs> right? When mm. do you ever hear that? You know, the Melbourne Storm actually were flattered by a result where they lost um, by, like, you know, more than uh, well, 14 points, you know. So um, an unbelievable performance by the Bulldogs. Good stuff. Let's see if they could get consistency. Obviously, we're only talking about the two rounds. And look, the Brisbane brothers, you know, the Dolphins and the Broncos, right? The only two teams to win two games this year so far. The only two undefeated teams. I know I'm not sort of 
I know uh, St. George and Manly have both won after, uh, you know, obviously having buy, buys and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, but these two teams, uh, like, showing up and, you know, the Dolphins, uh, they're able to, to sort of back up a great performance against the Roosters as well. Which I thought was, uh, which I thought was, uh, you know, fantastic. But you know, um, my heart was on Friday, <laughs> Sunday afternoon at Leichhardt, and look, there was a great crowd, and it was just, uh, you know, there was quite a lot of adversity that the Newcastle Knights had to go through, and I just thought the Tigers, uh, as you said, lack of decision making. Um, uh, like you know, with Parramatta, I think the Tigers have the same problem. But look, you know, they've been apparently working on their like U-butte attack. Um, but their attack, I don't know. There's lots of um, there's lots of shoulders shrugging, <laughs> right throughout the whole game. Nobody knows what to do. And um, I just got to make the comment where they seem to be talking more about how they're going to play rather than just trying to win. Because there was a moment where they could have actually kicked a penalty goal when they got the send off, um, you know, 15 minutes out before halftime and uh, sorry, full time. And what they decided to do is they just decided to try and score a try. Man, they should have quick kicked the goal. They were down by eight points, and then the final try that they ended up scoring would have mattered because we got into golden uh, golden point. But no, we had to be more flash. So yeah, we've got to be more style over substance. It doesn't really work for me. I think they're just got to try and win a game. Like I think I think that's what the focus should be: winning games, not on how you actually play. So I think I think a lot of questions need to be asked of them from round to, uh, uh, you know from, from that. I think the Raiders probably need to ask some a few questions as well because they've looked pretty ordinary as well uh, in their first two um, games as well. Um, so I'm not, not too sure what's happening there. So, you know, already we're sort of getting into round two and we're sort of seeing some of these teams who had a really good preseason, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, st- starting to put things together. But other teams sort of are not really, um, not really on the mark at the moment. So... Um, you know, a, a good bounce back by by the Panthers, um, you know, coming back from where they were. I don't think Parramatta are that far off from where they uh, could be. I just think, as you said, just making a few better decisions throughout the game, I think could help them in the long run. I think that's where they're short. And, yeah, apart from this, I think the Sharks have looked pretty impressive as well. So, yeah, that's the other thing about Parramatta. Like, they did play against a really good team. So I'd be more worried about the Storm and how they performed against the Bulldogs than I would be about Parramatta at the moment because I think the Storm, you know, looked good in round one but then looked very ordinary in round two. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right, well, let's move on Just to... Just on the West Tigers, know, I, was, I was all over the place there, so, so my apologies. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. No, no, mate, it's all good. But look, there there are a few things to come out of that, but um, let's let's move on to tackle number two. Uh, which is about Brad Arthur. Here we go. All right, Brad Arthur will be happy about that uh, that theme song for his uh, his <laughs> item. Look, the news this week after being zero two down uh, so far this year is that. Uh, there have been some interesting developments in contract negotiations over there with Brad Arthur and the Eels, uh, so much so that he uh, they're now talking about the Eels extending Brad Arthur for another season uh, due to performance clauses in his contract last year. So it's triggered uh, some performance, uh, you know, that that additional contract extension. 
And so that's happening at the moment. It's not a fait accompli, but I think it's something that it sounds like odds are that Brett Arthur will be extended. And what that means is that he will actually become the longest serving Parramatta Eels coach. And that brings it to 10 years, in fact, wow. uh, if, he's, if he gets that extra year. And, and I just wanted to put it out there. Look, I've been one of his uh, harshest critics in recent years, but also mm. one of his biggest uh, supporters. I think, uh, you know, when, when he's done the right thing, when he's done things well, uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, I'm the first one to put my hand up and say, you know, well done. You've done a great job there. And I know that he, if you think about when he took over 10 years ago, they were at rock bottom. They were at bottom of the ladder. He's weathered the storm, no pun intended, of lots of various you know, shenanigans going on at the Eels, ups and downs. He's taken us to several uh, grand final, uh, so several finals appearances. Uh, you know, the the issue I think with Brad Arthur and that some of the fans can't cop is that um, the question they have is, is he the right man to take them to the premiership? They got close last year. They made it to the grand final, which was the first time they'd made it since 2009. Um and it's the first time he has made a grand final. And they, to be honest, they put on a terrible performance. Uh, they were they were absolutely awful and uh, and were never in it and certainly should have put up a bit a better fight uh, like they did throughout the, the, the year against the, the Panthers twice when they defeated them twice. Um, and, and look, you know, I guess the question is for Eels fans out there, and I'll throw to you, Tish, as well, uh, you know, given... Given the fact that he got to the grand final, uh, given the fact, however, that they've lost their first two games, you know, and they're kind of in a bit of a semi-rebuilding phase in the sense that they've lost some key players, Reed Marnie, Isaiah properly, and others. And what does that mean for the the, the squad and what they need to do to bolster those uh, those positions that the, that those players held? Um, is he the right man for the job? And and I guess the the board is saying yes, he is. They, they want to give him the extension uh, to to that tenth uh, year uh, in coaching the Eels. And no doubt, a lot of people will be thinking, well, he got us to the grand final, but he hasn't really shown um, you know our ability to take that next step. He hasn't filled us with confidence. Um, in my mind, I think look, he's done a lot. He was there when we we're at our worst. And he got us over that uh, those issues, and he probably deserves another go, given that he got us to the grand final against many odds. Um, he's also, you know, managed to bring the Eels up to the point where they are the the bogeymen for for several big teams. Uh, the the Panthers, of course, last year, yes, they they flogged us in the grand final and and were deserving winners, but for the rest of the year, um, they were. You know, the Eels were pretty much the only team that showed the rest of the comp how to take on the Panthers and beat them. Uh, we just couldn't do it when it counted, unfortunately. But look, I'll put it over to you, Tish. What do you think? If you were the Parramatta Eels board deciding Brad Arthur's future, would you extend, would you sign on the dotted line to give him a 10th season as Eels coach? Mm. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a good question, you know, so... Um, you know, 10 years, it's a long time in the NRL to be a coach, right? I mean, I'm trying to think, I mean, probably Wayne Bennett has probably had, you know, stints that long. Um, I'm pr- trying to think of, um, 
you know, maybe Ricky Stewart's been a lot up there for a fair while at uh, Canberra as well, right? So, um, you know, so look, I think I think with any sort of negotiation of, you know, an employ, you know, sort of, you know, an employee, we have to look at, uh, we have to do an, an, an a performance review, right? We have to do, you know, an employee appraisal, right, to try and work out whether, you know, he is the right fit for the club, right? So, you know, so let's just uh, let's just. You know, why don't we just do a quick, uh, you know, uh, sort of job performance review ourselves, you Dr. T. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's see if he fits the values of what it means to be an eel, right? Do you think he's good living in swamps? Um, well, he has certainly, uh, he's certainly dealt with uh, the eels when they were at their lowest and uh, and yeah, I guess the swamp could be you know dodgy, you know mm. corrupt the corrupt dealings of previous administrations. He's been in there fighting mm. the good fight. So yeah, I would say he's good in swamps. Yep, he's had to battle from the wooden spoon, right? I think that's uh, quite swampy territory. That's right? true. Um, as he's got, gotten uh, more experienced as a coach, has he become more of a predator than when he was a, a young silk ray-finned fish? Um, no comment. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Has he become mm. more of a predator? Uh, look, I guess you could argue he has he has taken on the Panthers head on and been aggressive and managed to get on top of them last year on two occasions. So I guess, yeah. I mean, for some, he's a predator of the Panthers. Yeah, for sure. Um, didn't didn't uh, put it together on the final day, but you know, like mm. even predators can make mistakes. Yeah. So, so look, yeah, I would say okay, yeah, I agree. Do you do you agree with that one? Yeah, uh, I, I'd say that uh, I'd say that he is. Uh, I think he is sort of more focused on winning than losing. Like you know, you look at he's not a Craig Bellamy, Bellamy level yet, where uh, he's still angry even if they win, right? Um, but you could see him shaking his head. You could see him sort of, uh, you know, being a bit more aggressive, uh, you know, animated sort of thing. And I think the last question I'm going to ask you, Dr. T, like, you know, I'm just thinking about the great co coaches, Wayne Bennett and, uh, you know, even Phil Gould and all these kind of things, right? You know, people are sort of scared of him. And I think, I think uh, is Brad a scary figure? Probably not, right? No, that's probably that's probably the truth. So, yes, yeah, so I think he's got to... Uh, I think he's got to invent his uh, sort of uh, like put it this way, Cameron Serraldo. Everybody's already scared of him after the first game, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, but I mean, look, not, nothing is scarier than the mm. the the possibility of Brad Arthur choosing his son ahead of you in the <laughs> squad. That's pretty scary if you're a halfback. Oh yeah, that's uh, that that's true as well. So do you know what I mean? So so yeah, so so there we go. So like, uh, I mean, look, put this. I mean, like, I know there's been Mitchell Moses left the whole thing about whether, you know, like he hasn't signed the contract and and what's going on. But like, you know, like I think, um, you know, what Brad Arthur could do is just like drop him, <laughs> right? <laughs> drop him until he signs. A, like he's got to do something like that. Like you know, like uh, I, I I just think that probably. Look, I think Brad Arthur himself is a great coach. I think the fact that he was able to take him out, and I think that then he probably deserves that extension. He's gone to a grand final last year. They've had multiple years where they've made it to, you know, the you know the qualifying final and they couldn't make it. He's able to get that hurdle. So he's got one more hurdle to go. 
Exactly. Yeah. Um, but now he's yeah. But the problem is they're in a bit of a yeah. They're on they're on the way down a little bit because of the player losses that they're sort of suffering, and now he's going to have to build them back up. So I'd say that are they? I don't think they can win the premiership this year, but I think they're maybe a year or two out from maybe being ready again to challenge uh, properly, like you know, like really really challenge. So. Uh, but that's all crucial to the players that they sign up. So, and this could be another reason why the, the Eels are doing it. They probably think that they've got a better chance of keeping their personnel um, with Brad Arthur than without having Brad Arthur, because as we all know, everybody loves Brad. <laughs> that's right. Well, the Brad, this I, I one wonders without being uh, conspiratorial or cynical whether this is all part of the the playbook of the Eels administration to make sure that they get Mitchell Moses to commit mm. Uh, mm. by getting Brad Arthur locked in mm. for another year. And I think that's uh, – if that's what it takes to get Mitchell Moses there, that's that's great because I think, you know, another thing that may be weighing on his mind, as we saw last week, uh, Mitchell Moses was very uh, antsy when he was asked by the media constantly about this uh, contract negotiations, when are you going to sign, what's happening – he, uh, I, I get the feeling that that's probably one of the reasons why he's gone missing a little bit, uh, hasn't produced the clutch plays in uh, the final few minutes for the Eels in the last two games, which have been admittedly close. So I think, um, yeah, I think, look, overall, I think I, I would have to say Brad Arthur, you know, he definitely uh, has proven, I think, that he is worthy of being an Eels coach. Uh, and I guess... I guess the question is, is he the man to take them to that uh, holy grail or is he just uh, going to be there for the rebuilding? <laughs> you know, maybe we, you know, at some point you kind of, uh, you need a particular character to, to build up uh, the, a team and develop a system and a process. Mm. And, then, and then you need someone else who can bring those star qualities out of your key players and get the job done. And I think... Uh, that to me is the key question mark. So I think, I think there's been, uh, yeah, a lot of players, uh, a lot of fans, sorry, would would think that, uh, you know, that's still a question mark from Brad Arthur. But I think the Eels are thinking, let's give him another go. He got us to the grand final. You got to lose one before you win one. This mm. is, uh, they, I think they're going to put all their their cards in for this year. They've done well with a few players uh, being unearthed this year. Um, already there's a, uh, a few players that are starting to sort of show promise. Uh, so, you know, it might not just be the uh, – it, it might be that part of his his uh, skill set is bringing new players to the fore um, and, and not just getting the best out of the players that are there. And I think, uh, I think you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to that this year. But, yeah, uh, that's, I think, where the Eels are headed. But, look – I'll let you have the final word before we move on. Yeah, well, look, I think it would help Parramatta Eels administration if they just uh, back Brad and uh, sign him up, you know, um, because I'm just thinking about this now. Just in the small subset of data that we have, you know, Wayne, uh, Wayne Bennett for the Dolphins comes out, calls out a few of his key players, the club backs him, and then they're 2-0, two from two, two and oh, right? Um, you know, the Brisbane Broncos re-signed Kevin, even though there was turmoil, you know, people saying things about, you know, players saying things behind his back. They back the coach. They show, you know, they give the the, the coach a bit of teeth 
And guess what? They win their first two games too, right? Cameron Serraldo, he comes in, tells his players off, and then he gets a great performance out of him as well. So maybe uh, Parramatta should take a leaf out of the, the winning teams at the moment and just back their coach and maybe it might just um, settle down whatever sort of challenges they're having in the uh, locker room after that. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move on to tackle number three, Cameron Seraldo. So, look, last week we talked about the Bulldogs' pathetic performance and the fact that it was really unusual for a new untested coach to lay down the law after one round, one week. Um, we talked about comparisons with uh, when Toddy Payton did the same thing for the Cowboys after several games and, uh, you know, really got, oh, I think, eventually got the best out of the Cowboys uh, in his first year there at the helm. But we thought, geez, Cameron Serraldo, you are pushing it. Have you already lost the locker room? What are you doing after one week? Well, look at what happened. <laughs> the Bulldogs, 16-0 up against the Storm, ended up winning 26-12. to um, A Storm team that actually, you know, won a Golden Point thriller against the Eels in what was, I thought, the the you know the most uh, entertaining and high quality match of round one in my opinion, um, and then look, part of it could be that the storm capitulated. I don't think you can really uh, put that down to Bellamy dropping the ball. <laughs> I think this is more that the Bulldogs played to such a high standard that uh, you know that that really forced errors out of the the storm and force them to play the way they did so really it's all down to us apologizing <laughs> let's just mm. apologize to cameron seraldo you have weaved your magic um you laid down the law in in week one you put players on notice and it worked i mean look despite the fact that you know he has his uh shortcomings josh adokar um you know delivered when it counted um Scored, I think, scored a pretty pretty good try and certainly pumped up the crowd as well. Um, and one of the things to notice is that what part of Cameron Serraldo's magic is his ability to get players with the name Jake or Jacob to uh, deliver for the Bulldogs. Uh, four of the five tries were were um, were delivered by either a Jake or a Jacob in mm. the squad. And uh, which 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 begs a question, Josh Adokar, do you want to just change your name to Jake, <laughs> Jake Adokar? Because I think that's what's required to get a Bulldogs uh, try nowadays. But no, look, Serraldo, well done. Uh, we will have to admit when we are wrong, and I, I will I'll be the first to admit. Tish, are you joining me in apologising to Cameron Serraldo? Well, I mean, uh, what did we actually do, right? Like, I don't think we. Uh... I don't think we went that far off. We just uh, like we didn't say you can't coach, right? You know, we just we just. Uh, oh, I may have. Just... I may have. <laughs> I'm oh, not okay. sure. I don't remember. <laughs> I'd have to look at the replay. But okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Look, look, look. I may have misjudged him. I've underestimated yeah. him. Put it that way. Uh, okay, okay. Well, look, I think look, he's a young coach in his young coaching career. It's only you know he's got a fifty percent uh, winning record. Um, 
So, uh, which is good. <laughs> well, it's not good. It's not great, but it's but it's there, right? And look, I mean, it's going to be a tough season for the Bulldogs. I think. Look, I mean, they will have to play uh, to their best level most weeks to get to where they want to be this year, which is finals footy. But I think they've got enough talent in there to do it, and it looks like they've got a coach who could galvanise them to do it. I think it definitely uh, did have a a short term impact, um, but it's a long season too. So I think he's done well. Um, look, maybe the Midas touch is not necessarily on players that are named Jake or Josh or Jacob, sorry, but maybe just the Jays because I just realised they're all Jays. Even even a you know a um, an Adokar is a Josh. So Jacob, Jacob, Josh, Jacob, Jake, right? So yeah, <laughs> like you know, that's kind of a kind of an interesting sort of uh, stat there. I don't know. Well, maybe 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 Chad GPT could could figure that one out as well, but. Uh, but look, I, I think the Bulldogs are great. And look, and now they're going to play the Tigers. So, I oh mean, the Tigers have been dreadful. Now they've got a game at Belmore as well, the spiritual home, multicultural round. I, like, I don't think it's going to be all that much easier for the Tigers. It's probably their hardest game so far of the season uh, based on the performance the Bulldogs have got. Um, and look, let's hope the Bulldogs, you know, it's one of these things. You, uh, there's often a lot of teams in the, around the middle of the pack that they'll sort of win one, lose one, right? And you'll see teams that are sort of had done well in previous seasons and then they sort of start slipping. So, for example, last year, I think you saw the case with Manly. They were a top four side, but they dropped out of the top eight because they just weren't consistent. They'd win one, lose one type thing. And then you have teams who are at the bottom and they're improving, but they get to win-loss, 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 right? So very interesting to see where the Bulldogs going to land. They're on a win-loss thing at the moment this weekend. A few other games down the track. Let's see if they've won more than fifty percent of the games. If they have, I think they're in in a good good scratch. And yeah, look, Melbourne. Yeah, look, I think there's something. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why the Dolphins are playing well is because of the the impact the ex Melbourne players are having on that squad. So I just wonder if uh, the Storm uh, are also in a rebuilding period, and maybe. The Arthur Camp is talking to somebody in Melbourne. I don't know about the about a twenty twenty four move to Melbourne for Brad Arthur. I don't know. Just calling it out there. So um, wow, there you go. You heard it here first. Well, yeah, there you go. But well done, Cameron Seraldo. So uh, Seraldo, what type of background is that, Doctor T? Uh, um, you know, considering it's very multicultural, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It is uh, Maltese. Maybe uh, look. I I'm, I'm not. I'm not, Good point. Um, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up. But um, mm, look, that, mm. that leads us to the next question, which is, or the next tackle, which is about the multicultural round. So let's get into it. Tackle number four, multicultural round. Here we go. Right, uh, multicultural round. I did look it up. Seraldo, Cameron Seraldo is Italian background, so there you go. Wow, very, very good. Uh, hey, Cameron Seraldo, well done. Uh, anyway, no, we won't do that. Um, well, maybe the future coach of Italy, right? Who knows? I mean, he might be the man who, uh, who you know, puts them on notice in, in round one of a world cup, and then by the end, the <laughs> They're at the grand final. There you go, the World Cup final and, and winning it. You never know. But, mm. look, multicultural round is obviously a round where we celebrate our diversity of ethnicities that are, that are playing rugby league in Australia, in particular in the NRL. 
Um, as we know, there's uh, you know one of the the stats that that uh, that keeps getting brought up is that we've got you know at least I think 50% of the players that have I think Polynesian background or something like that. So that that kind of stat is amazing and and has been uh, in play for several years now. And and obviously there are other ethnicities that play the game. And so I think the NRL to focus on multicultural round at least once a year I think is a brilliant brilliant thing and uh, unfortunately this year it's been as I alluded to earlier there's been some shenanigans and things going on in the background with the NRL administration the ongoing pay dispute is potentially what has already impacted on the multicultural round so much so that players um, the NRL players boycotted the launch of the multicultural round today um, you know and and that's on the back of also head office deciding not to proceed with pride round this year so you know this pay dispute is going to be causing some uh, ripples across uh, all of these special interest rounds throughout the year and in general in the nrl but having said that this is a time that we we celebrate our multicultural diversity within the nrl but look what i thought i'd do is uh you know we thought we'd ask chad gpt our our resident ai expert to uh to give us an idea of what you know how can we in the nrl celebrate multiculturalism so tish i think you asked him that earlier today what did he have yes. to say here's what he had to say take it over chad the nrl is already making strides in celebrating multiculturalism through initiatives like the nrl multicultural round and the harmony cup however there are several other ways that the NRL can further promote and celebrate diversity within the sport. Expand the NRL Multicultural Round. The NRL can extend the Multicultural Round to include more teams and more cultural activities. Introduce a Multicultural Round jersey. The NRL can design a special jersey for each team to wear during the Multicultural Round that incorporates designs and colors from different cultures. Host multicultural festivals. The NRL can organize festivals that celebrate multiculturalism and diversity, featuring cultural performances, food, and music. Diversify the NRL leadership. The NRL can diversify its leadership by hiring and promoting more people from diverse backgrounds to leadership positions. Collaborate with community groups. The NRL can partner with community groups that represent different cultures to create programs and initiatives that promote diversity and inclusivity in the sport. Overall, the NRL can celebrate multiculturalism by creating more opportunities for people from diverse backgrounds to participate in the sport and promoting a message of inclusivity and acceptance. All right, there wow, we go. Thanks, Chad. That was awesome. Uh, look... Chad GPT is just getting better and better at coming up with good ideas, but let's go through each one that he suggested. Uh, look, expanding the NRL multicultural round to include more teams and more cultural activities. Tish, how would the NRL do that? They've got 17 NRL teams and one mm. sitting out with the bye. Uh, you know, what... <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, we got... Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. What do we do uh to to how could we expand to more teams and more cultural activities is chad gpt suggesting that for multicultural round we we include another team maybe we can we we can nominate a, a special 
ethnic team to to fight against the uh, the team having to buy uh, for points. Maybe I don't know. What do you think? What What do you think Chad's getting at there? Well, look, because uh, like I, I didn't even think about this, but you do have one team sitting out the multicultural round. So I suppose if you, I suppose do you then do two multicultural rounds, um, you know, and then try to expand it that way. Uh, maybe multicultural magic round. Uh, so the second one could be all in the one location type type sort of scenario. So, um, but maybe that's what they could do to try and expand it. I mean, the other thing that I think is there is that we also have that test match, uh, you know, weekend uh, where they have the second state of origin and they have all the different, uh, you know, teams playing against each other. Uh, maybe you make that more of a like a like a weekend festival, right? Uh, maybe make it like a, a international rugby league, uh, international rugby league magic round. How about that, Doctor T? You know, um, they all play at the one location. They're, they're kind of all playing like three or four games at the same location anyway. But just move it to like Suncorp or something, you know. And then because um, and then and then yeah, get, you get a bit of crowd. Maybe that's what they could do to try and do that. So so Chad, I, I think look. Um, thank you for the high-level suggestion, but I think we need to flesh it out a bit more. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I, I like the idea of more cultural activity. So maybe another idea might be if you know how we have in, uh, like, say, in the uh, uh, NBA, there's the All-Star Weekend. Maybe what we can do for multicultural round is we have multicultural activities at each of the games. Mm. You know, maybe maybe each of the game can. Uh, each of the games can uh, adopt a particular cultural uh, sort of focus or theme, mm. you know, and then uh, and then you could sort of uh, see what happens. So, you know, Bulldogs, Tigers, Bulldogs are in, uh, you know, Lebanese territory. Maybe you could have a Lebanese-focused kind of thing there at home at Belmore, um, you know. Versus, you know, uh, Mandarin... Chinese culture from like you know uh, from the like the Tigers area like I'm trying to think from Ashfield or something yeah Ashfield well, yeah exactly yeah 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 I mean absolutely you could do that um, that's that's one thing you could do uh, but yeah good idea um, good idea there Chad but look the other idea was multicultural round Jersey um, I think that's already happening with some of the teams but it's not a, a, a uh, mandatory I think but I think maybe uh, um, yeah, I think maybe this is an example of where we could uh, – all of the teams could do it, unless they're already doing it. Am I mistaken in that mm. some teams are doing it, but not every team is doing a special jersey for multicultural round? Is that right? Yeah, I, th I think they are, or at least the majority of the teams are doing it. But, look, I, I just thought about this as well. Like, you know, obviously, you know, the NRL is full of different colours with different jerseys, and I'm just wondering whether they should also do, like, special – like, you know how you have, like, you know, Canada Day and you have, you know, um, like, you know, uh, July 4th or whatever. Um, maybe they could do, like, uh, throughout the season, you know, one club can adopt different nations that they'll do, like, a, you know, a specific flag for their day sort of thing, a jersey for their flag type thing, you know, just to try and uh, just to try and sort of promote the game in that area but also try to promote that culture type thing. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder. Look, I I think I wonder if we could look at the colours of the 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 teams already and see if we could use that as a starting point. So, you know, like the uh, 
Uh, the Netherlands the, Tigers. That's right. That's right. Or you could have uh, the Ukraine Eels. You know? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Or, or Sweden. Isn't Sweden yeah. also blue and gold? I'm not sure. Um, you know, what, what about you the do... Russian Roosters? Well, well, you you could, although they're French, aren't they? <laughs> it's in their flag. And the Was Rabbitohs the could be Italian. Yeah. <laughs> Italian colours in the Rabbitohs. You've got, uh, you know, there, there are, there are going to be some difficult mm. ones, though. I mean, yeah. Melbourne Storm, I think. Is that Qatar? I don't know. What's mm. purple? Um, you know, what, what are the other oh. ones? Well, you know, you said Canada, the dragons, I mean, yeah. red and, and white, you know, for sure. I, I did, Japan. I did have, a, I, I did have a situation where I was in, uh, Rosemary Euros and I, um, you know, I was wondering, oh, you guys must follow the Bulldogs because there's lots of uh, Bulldog stuff. Like, no, we just bought it because blue like Greek. Uh, so. Um, uh, that's right. Yep. Greek, the Greek Bulldogs. Absolutely. <laughs> that's another one. Yeah. I think that'll fit, yeah. So, um, yeah, look, look totally. no, I think definitely. Idea. Yeah, uh, purple. Is there a is there a nation out there with a purple flag? Well, I think yeah, like tall? I was saying, I think Qatar is uh, purple potentially, but that's mm. one of the only ones. <laughs> so there you go. I only noticed that because of the soccer World Cup recently. But look, that's an idea. So thanks, Chad, for that idea. Ho- hosting multicultural festivals. Um, the NRL can organise festivals that celebrate multiculturalism. Uh, you know, I don't know if the NRL is in the business of organising festivals when sometimes you could argue they're flat out trying to organise a uh, professional rugby league competition. But anyway, mm. if you want them <laughs> to expand their scope into multicultural festivals as well, mm-hmm. yes, they could mm-hmm. do that, absolutely. I mean, why not have, like I said, have that as part of especially some of the key the key games, you know, maybe, maybe have uh, some of the key games that are, on a daytime, you know, maybe a Sunday afternoon one in Sydney somewhere, have that be your your cultural festival. Uh, you know, go watch a Roosters game and then head outside and, uh, you know, sample some of the culinary delights of various European, South American nations and Asian mm. and whatever, whatever you want to throw at it. Um, lots you can do there. But, yeah, that's a good idea too. Mm. Diversifying. Saturday, Saturday night salsa at Shark Park. You know, why not? Mm. Um, or, or <laughs> hosted by Cameron Seraldo. Anyway, <laughs> look, uh, <laughs> look, diversifying the NRL leadership, I think that's another idea of trying to get mm. more people from diverse backgrounds. Although I would think Volandis and Abdo being the two key players in the NRL head office, um, pretty sure they're not, uh, they're not extremely white, I think. So I think... I think we've got that covered. So thank Ch- thanks, Chad, for the suggestion. I think we're doing all right in that space. And then finally, collaborating with community groups, uh, creating programs and initiatives that promote diversity and inclusivity. I think they already do that. I think the, the issue is we don't know much about it. So I think maybe in future the NRL should promote that more heavily as opposed to just the multicultural round, but also the mm. programs that they're already involved in to increase uh diversity and inclusivity in the sport. I mean, maybe they could have particular targeted, um, you know, campaigns to get kids from certain uh, ethnic backgrounds uh, in Australia, especially in Sydney, to kind of uh, participate. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a decided lack of Asian and Indian kids mm. playing. Uh, you know, they, they're more – you're more likely to see them play, I guess, soccer 
then you would see them yeah. playing oh, yeah, yeah. yeah in chess rather and than cricket. rugby league. But mm. maybe that's an option. Maybe that's something we need to do. So something to think about. But yeah, Chad, great ideas. Tish, what are your final thoughts on these ideas? Yeah, look, let's take multicultural around to Sri Lanka, I say. Okay, all right. That was not what I expected, but that's all right. That's a good <laughs> yeah. idea. Let's do that. <laughs> all right. Look, Chad GPT, we, we, we're going to ask him some more things because he's on a roll. Uh, tackle number five, we're going to talk about his view on the top eight NRL wingers. Here we go. All right, so we asked Chad GPT to tell us who were the who are the top eight NRL wingers of all time, and I think he focused on uh, NRL era. So that that's kind of the limitation here. Um, you got to be careful what you ask, Chad. He takes your questions very literally. So if you ask NRL wingers, he will focus on NRL wingers. But Tish, uh, what do you think, Chad GPT? Well, what? Let's ask Chad GPT to to give us an answer to that. Who are your top eight NRL wingers of all time, Chad? Hello, Dr. T and Tish. According to my search results, here's a list of the top eight NRL wingers of all time based on their performance and achievements. It's important to note that this list only includes full-time club wingers, so players like Holmes and Gagai may not be on this list. Eight, Blake Ferguson. Seven, Manu Vatubiai. Six, Adam McDougall. Five, Matt Singh. Four, Log Takiri. Three, Nathan Blacklock. Two, Wendell Saylor. One, Brett Morris. All right. Well, Chad, that's a pretty good list there. Let's go through it uh, from eight to one again in case you missed it because I think Chad's got an issue with uh, his pronunciation. Eight, Blake Ferguson. Seven, Manu Vatavai. Six, Adam McDougall. Five, Matt Singh. Four, Lottie mm. Takiri. Three, Nathan Blacklock. Two, Wendell Saylor. And one, Brett Morris. Tish, that's a pretty good list. I mean... You know, we did ask him top eight NRL wingers of all time, but, yeah. you know, sticking to NRL era, of course. What do you think about that list? Well, it is a fairly good list, you know, when you consider, I mean, he's put his own uh, criteria in it that uh, Holmes and Gagai uh, are not allowed to be uh, on this list because they play other positions at times. So, so yeah, so he's put that on. Um, so I think, uh, uh, you know, I, th I thought it was great. I do have a bit of a theory about Chad GPT. I believe that Chad GPT is actually a closet Roosters fan. Uh, <laughs> I say this for two reasons, right? Because, A, uh, I don't see Nathan Merritt on the list, and I think he always played wing. <laughs> and, B, Brett Morris is at the top, and I think Brett Morris has been a great player. But I'm not too sure if he always played wing. I'm pretty sure he played some positions at fullback and centre as well, right? So I think – I don't know – like, you know, if Holmes and Gagai were uh, <laughs> eliminated, I'm not too sure about whether Brett Morris should uh, be deserving. But, look, I've got to say, all these players are great players. Um, you know, Adam McDougall was a bit surprising for me as well. Uh, Matt Singh was a bit surprising as well. But then if you actually think about his career and his impact, I, I think he's a very worthy choice. Like, we kind of 
tend to forget some of these players that made an impact. But, um, you know, a bit disappointed that we didn't see somebody like a um, some of these Fijian wingers, right, that we've had in the NRL. Yeah, um, Semi Red Radra, yeah. Semi Red Radra is what I was thinking, yeah. So, yeah. But what about your thoughts, Dr. T? Oh, look, I think it was pretty good. I think the. Oh, look, I, the only exception I would make is I wouldn't put Brett Morris at number one. I would probably put Wendell Saylor. Uh, if you mm. look at what Wendell Saylor has done over the years, uh, him and Takiri probably are close tied for first, mm. uh, first and second. I really like the fact that Nathan Blacklock is up there. You know, yeah, I think statistically, I uh, yeah, he's definitely he was so important to the Dragons and and you know those beginning the beginning years of the NRL. Um, in in the late 1990s, and and look, um, yeah, I think the other I, I, it's good to see Adam McDougall there and Matt Singh as well. Um, I I can't think of, you know, Blake Ferguson was in there. Obviously, he's had such an impact at the Roosters and the Eels as well. Um, mm. And I think sometimes we tend to forget with some of these players how long they've been in these positions and how much they've actually, you know, provided. Uh, and and delivered for their clubs and and you know for the most part I think um, I think well the, the reason why I put Sailor and Takiri at the top instead of Brett Morris is I think Sailor and Takiri just they were just they won so many things yeah. um, they won premierships they were integral to um, to their teams uh, you know Sailor in particular I think. Uh, will go down as one of the greatest wingers of all time, I think. And, mm, uh, mm. you know, I guess the, the question mark for Takiri is, uh, well, Sailor defected as well, I think, to Rugby Union. But Takiri, yeah. I think, um, you know, has sort of mucked around there for a little bit longer before returning to the NRL, whereas Sailor, I think, sort of, you know, provided consistently high-quality Mm. Uh, performances, and then uh, I think did he return to the Dragons? I think at one point, and you know, so is that right? When does, am I am I imagining that? Um, yeah, no, he did, he did. But but definitely, you, you know, I look at Sailor, and I think you know his Broncos years were up there with some of the best um, of all time, and I, I think so. So yeah, I think look, Chad was pretty close for someone who's an American, clearly an American sounding AI. He uh, yeah. he really seems to understand rugby league, and uh, I'm very impressed. I'm really glad that we brought Chad GPT along to the Republic this year because I think uh, he, we're certainly getting a lot of value out of him. So that's really good. Teach, what are your thoughts about his top eight? Yeah, look, uh, again, yeah, look, I, I think I, I, I do agree. I think it's a, it's a great list. Uh, you know, you sort of think about some of the great wingers uh, of all time. And I think, you know, um, you know, and I think wingers get a bit of a bad rap uh, a little bit. You know, people sort of see them as just being out there on the wing, you know, sort of not being able to do the same work rate as other players. But, you know, if you actually look at the modern day wingers and what they do now, I mean, they um, all the kicks are high pressure kicks that they normally have to diffuse. Um probably just as many as what the fullbacks need to do. On top of that, they are also probably usually uh, top in the list when it comes to um, the number of metres that they run. And then at the end of the day, they're the ones that uh, score the majority of the tries as well. So they've got to finish off uh, sort of the hard work that some of the other players do. Um, but they're also contributing with their hard work themselves. So, um, you know, and I think Phil Gould was telling a story during on commentary where, you know, some of the... Um, you know, PNG players like he would ask them, 
hey, you know, what, what's your position? And he goes, oh, yeah, I play wing and I play front row. <laughs> and, and, you know, if you think about it in terms of, you know, a David Clemmer would, would run, you know, 130 metres in a game or something and a winger would run just as many uh, as well. So I think they get a bit of a rap, bad rap. And if you actually look at these players, I think these players sort of change position. They were, um, you know, I don't think any of them actually trans – well, yeah. There are a lot, there are a few wingers out there that that sort of transitioned right to to playing in the forwards, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a great list. So um, and, and looking forward to seeing what other uh, exciting AI uh, information we can get from Chad G- GPG throughout the season. Absolutely. All right, let's finish off with our tips round. Uh, sorry, tackle six round three NRL. Here we go. After two rounds, look, my performances in the tipping has already been shot to pieces. I think Tisha already way ahead of me. This week you got five, and on top of your five last week, you were at ten uh, for the year so far. I got three this week on top of my two last week. That brings me to five. So you are already five ahead of me after only one, you know, two rounds, which is not good for me. But, look, hopefully I can turn it around and uh, let's see uh, what we think um this time around so round three multicultural round here we go with the games and i'm going to seek your tips tish are we ready to go yeah let's do it all right thursday night game manly versus Parramatta. manly coming off a bye um leading the table top of the table so far i would have to say i am going to tip the eels to bounce back yeah, look, I'm going to tip Manly. I think it's such an advantage to play this game coming, <laughs> having a week off so early in the season. Absolutely. The Knights and the Dolphins, a 6 p.m. Friday game at McDonald Jones Stadium. I'm tipping the Dolphins to get their third win. Mm, okay, interesting. I'm going to tip the Dolphins as well. All right. The uh, Friday night big game on TV at 8 p.m. at Allianz Stadium. Everyone will be converging to Sydney to see the Roosters v. the Rabbitohs, traditional rivals uh, in the book of rivalry Russell Crowe is going to bring out, and I'm tipping the Rabbitohs for this one. I'm tipping Rooster, Rooster, man. (laughs) Okay. All right. Saturday begins at 3 p.m. at Seabus Super Stadium uh, on the Gold Coast with the Titans against the Storm. I think the Storm will bounce back. Uh, Bellamy uh, rarely lets two poor performances go together in, in the Storm's history. So I'm expecting the Storm to absolutely annihilate the Titans. Yeah, I agree. I think the Storm are going to come out firing uh, like a ferocious Storm. Uh, Saturday at 5.30pm at Queensland Country Bank Stadium at Townsville. The Cowboys up against the Warriors. I think the Cowboys are just a step above the Warriors in quality this year, so I'm expecting them to win this one. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Cowboys for mine as well. I think they were disappointed by Friday night's result, um, and I think it's going to push them in good stead for, for this weekend. All right, the big clash on Saturday at uh, 7.35 p.m. at Suncorp Stadium. 
traditional rivals, I, I would say, Broncos versus Dragons. Obviously, you know, going back all the way to the early 90s when the Broncos defeated the Dragons in two grand finals in a row, that really started this rivalry, which we've seen, uh, you know, the pendulum swing one way or another over the years. Um, this year, I think it's the Broncos that are on the up and up and the Dragons are going to be struggling a little bit, although they did put on a good performance on the weekend. But I'm thinking that with a big crowd behind them, the Broncos will come out on top. Yeah, look, this is an interesting one for me. Oh, I'm going to go with the Broncos, yeah, just because of the home uh, field advantage. All right, Bulldogs and Tigers, Sunday at 4 p.m. at Melbourne, Belmore Sports Ground, the home traditional home ground of the Canterbury Banks and Bulldogs. I think that home ground advantage, uh, well, they, they, they're going to need it because I think this will be actually closer than what we, we're suggesting. I think the Tigers uh, will play very well, but just won't, won't be enough for the Bulldogs. Yeah, look, I, uh, I'm, I'm off the bus on the Tigers. Uh, I love the Tigers, but uh, they're shot. They need it. They need to blow things up again. So I'm going to tip the Bulldogs. Wow. Multicultural round at Belmore, four o'clock on a Sunday. It is one of the best pilgrimages that you could have as a rugby league fan. And um, I think it's just, I think just the emotional significance of the game is going to be great. I mean, I could see is Josh. I think Josh Reynolds has been selected for the Bulldogs too. So, oh, uh, look, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no stopping them at the moment. So yeah. Do you know what else is a, a, a really great atmosphere is Canberra on a Sunday night at 6.15 at GIO Stadium because we're going to see the Raiders versus the Sharks. Mm. Um, you know, is this is this going to be a – is this a Ricky Stewart Cup? I don't know. Does Ricky Stewart have anything to do with the Sharks? I'm not sure. But, look, mm. Ricky Stewart will be front and centre, and I think he will make sure the Raiders get over the line against the much more fancied Sharks. I just get, I've got a good feeling about the Raiders this weekend. I don't know why, Tish, but uh, away you go. Yeah. Well, look, what's better than, um, you know, GIO Stadium on a, on a Sunday night, 615, is uh, the, 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 sh- the bus ride back to <laughs> Cronulla. <laughs> right. Support a bus back. And uh, I think it's going to be full of shark supporters with a boisterous win because, man, that's torture, right? So yeah, so I think the sharks coming. I think the sharks are going to win. They've, they've been playing great, so I, th- I think, uh, and I expect them to do the same. And uh, wow, and uh, Penrith have got the bye this week. There you go. Look and like, look. I just received a text from Ricky Stewart. Uh, he just called you a gutter dog there for that low <laughs> blow. <laughs> that's that's not fair, Ricky. I'm going to respond to him and say, "Come on, man. I thought we were over this." Um, look, yeah. Look, the Penny Panthers. Uh, you know, climbing up the ladder with that buy. Uh, I had a look. I think the Eels are going to have their buy in the last round. So you know, something to look forward to, Eels. <laughs> you know. <laughs> We we get a rest at the final week before uh, the 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 final series, so you know you got to work hard until then. There you go. But look, um, Tish, that's it for the tips, and that's it for the podcast this week. Thanks for a big one, multicultural round, everyone. Get out there, support different cultures, support the game. We've had some pretty good crowds here in in Sydney, in particular, in the first few weeks, uh, considering how hot it is. It's going to be this weekend in Sydney, in particular. Uh, hopefully, yeah, if you're expecting to go out there, you know, get some uh, get some water, get some hydration, 
stay safe, put your sunscreen on, etc. If it's a daytime game, and uh, you know, enjoy multicultural round, and uh, you know, have a have a pizza, have some Chinese food, have some curry. Uh, whatever mm. floats your boat. Uh, enjoy the rich cult, multicultural diversity we have here in Australia, in particular. Mm. But anywhere you are around the world, and enjoy the NRL multicultural round. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Thank you, Dr. T, and like to thank everybody for listening. Um, but that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.